Welcome to the CFC Jacks Midweek Podcast, where we discuss topics related to becoming a fully devoted, spirit-empowered Christ follower. We hope that wherever you are today, you'll be encouraged by the truths discussed in this podcast. Well, good morning. Thanks for joining us for Q&A. This is a question and answer time for you to ask questions that might be on your heart or in your mind this morning from the sermon. So the number is up on the screen. Uh, we would encourage you to text those in this morning. Big days, I realized, I'm like, oh, wow, we're finishing Nehemiah today. I knew it. But as we opened up to that last chapter, I was like, wow. I know. It's been... Uh... It always gets longer than I anticipated. I think when I first <laughs> laid it out, we were going to be in Nehemiah like 13 weeks, but it got a little longer as we went. Um, but I don't regret the time we took. Um, I think the reality is for me, anytime I'm studying at this level of depth, a book of the Bible, it's kind of my favorite book of the Bible for that time. So looking for my next new favorite. <laughs> <laughs> on the search. <laughs> yes. Um, will you uh, reference Psalm 119, so mm. 105, yeah. um, about God's Word and providing a light? And so first question here, um, why should I follow or submit to the Bible cons- um, considering it's so old and written in a different time altogether? Yeah. Well, the Scripture was no doubt written at a different time altogether, mm-hmm. and it um, it is old. I think the fallacy of that mindset is old equals no longer true. Some uh, let me let me give just a what may be considered a silly example. Uh, when I was I was born in 1964. When I was born in 1964, two plus two equaled four. What year? No, I won't make you say what year you were born. <laughs> in the you don't 80s. want to <laughs> in the eighties. Okay, when you in the eighties, when you were what was two plus two? Four. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. not trying. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Kind of silly, but the idea that something is old means it's not longer true anymore. That's just some things are what's absolute truth. Mm. For as long as we have lived, gravity remains true. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter how old we are, gravity always remains true. So um, we have a place on our website because we often get the question regarding why should I believe in the valid- validity of the Word of God? So I invite you to go to the website instead of us every time trying to uh, go through that same answer again. There's good reason. There is Great evidence for the Word of God, for uh, the authenticity of the Scriptures. Um, So I'm not going to go down that path. I just wanted to remind you, old doesn't mean that it's not true. And so anytime, and then the other question, and it was written in a, uh, did it say a different time? Uh, equal to old. And then different time altogether. Yeah, yeah different time old. altogether. There's no doubt um, cultural differences that uh, would have been happening, like we're studying in the Old Testament, that would not be true, which if you've listened to my teaching, I think you can, you'd can you be able to say, uh, where there are not 
where there are cultural things going on, I will always acknowledge what's cultural versus what is timeless. So uh, I don't know if that will satisfy that question right there or not, but do not fall prey to the mentality, old, ancient means it can't still be true. There are many things in life that have been true for as long as humanity has existed. Because the heart issues of man are still the same, yeah. regardless of cultural changes right. around us. But mm-hmm. what Scripture speaks to is our heart, yes, not the cultural trends or other yeah. things of the time. So application still- of that truth is going to vary according to mm-hmm. time period and how we take timeless truth and say, well, how does that fit in our current culture? But it doesn't change the truth. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, So we do have two questions actually about reaching out to someone who has walked away from the Lord. One specifically mentions um, someone who then takes on defense mode and becomes defensive. Um, And so two questions about the how to re-engage with individuals who have walked away. Okay. What's the question? Sorry. Oh, so, well, they specifically asked about like practical next steps. So one actually, this is pretty funny. After I beat them up and pull out their hair, what are some <laughs> practice practices you have found effective to pursue those friends who are walking, who were walking with God, but are now currently walking in darkness? Now walking in darkness. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, there is, um, let me try and structure all my answers here so it gets, a, it's at least logical. When... Uh, Matthew 18 is the passage where Jesus gives to specifically address people who are professing to be brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ, but they're professing to be followers of Jesus, but living in disobedience to a clear command of Scripture. And so I'm not trying to um, avoid the question here. I want to make sure when the question asks, what do I find effective? Uh, What I find effective is uh, is following this prescription that Jesus says. Whether it results in change or not is not the question, because I do not want to be uh, pragmatically driven beyond or short of what the Scripture says. So what I would commit myself to is go privately. Matthew 18 says I go privately to a person. So I'm not going to broadcast their sin. I'm not going to try and gang up on them. I'm going to go privately to them. And um, going privately, I can go in humility and gentleness, which which is what Galatians 6 says. And uh, I seek to make sure I'm there not on my own personal preference, but uh, Mm -hmm. I'm there because a clear command of Scripture has been broken. Okay? Um, I'm not there if somebody is... um, Skipping church uh, to go on to to the Jags game, but they were here on Thursday night. But no, you have to be at church on Sunday. That's sort of you know we can sometimes take things that aren't clear biblical commands, mm-hmm. and they can we can make them our standard of righteousness. So beware. Ask yourself: Are we dealing with a clear command of Scripture? If so, then go privately. 
If they refuse to listen, then Scripture says, take two or three with you. And it says, for this specific reason, that you would confirm the facts. In other words, is the person really doing what you are saying they are doing in disobedience to the Scriptures? So two or three can sound like a gang up that you were going to intimidate. It's not to intimidate. It is specifically to confirm the facts. The Scripture says, again, if they refuse to change, then Jesus' third step is to tell it to the church, specifically here at the chapel. What that means is we take a person who we've already done step one, we've already done step two, we've confirmed the facts, and there is an unwillingness to repent, to put themselves back under the scriptures, then we tell it to those who have committed to membership here at CFC. When we have a new member, when we have a members-only meeting, what I'll often uh, describe as a family meeting after one of our services on Thursday night or Sunday morning, it's oftentimes to share uh, by the elders with those who are members, uh, a specific person and how they are choosing to continue to walk in darkness. The goal again is not to bang up, to gang up on them. The goal is not to beat them up. The goal is not to uh, shame them. And I use those expressions because that's this has happened with friends of mine. So this is not theoretical. There have been friends of mine, guys who have been in a small group with me, guys who I've gone on vacation with, who once walked with the Lord and then in a particular area of their life and this situ- in both of these situations, in the context of their marriage, they refused to live in faithfulness with their wife and went away from Scripture. So... I went to them privately, they didn't change, went to them with others, they didn't change. We told it to the church, they said to me, you're just trying to shame me. I wasn't trying to shame them, I was trying to do what Jesus said in Matthew 18. So that's why I really related to what Nehemiah says, remember me, oh God, for what I have done. Mm-hmm. Because I know that uh, I know that this person doesn't feel like I'm loving them well. I know this person is upset with me. I feel the loss of friendship. Uh, I hate that that friendship is where it is right now. I feel the loss of that. And I know that uh, a watching world can sometimes, and even other churches, attack the chapel for uh, what we've chosen to do with Matthew 18, that we would actually tell it to the church. But I think what Jesus says, and if they refuse to listen even to the church, that language tells me it's just hard for even Jesus to imagine that someone would have countless brothers and sisters in Christ appeal to that so-called brother or sister to come back, and they would refuse to listen. That how stubborn and stiff-necked is this, that, that people who you have once loved and listened to and walked with and lived life with and called friends, and they are all saying the same thing to you as brothers and sisters in Christ, but you've plugged your ears, and Jesus says, if they would refuse to listen even to the church, like, that would be crazy. That's a rough translation, but I think that's the spirit of what he's saying. Then, to no longer associate oh, with them. 
And that's what, uh, if you want to read a parallel passage, read what Paul does in 1 Corinthians 5. It's a parallel passage to, I think, a practically a local church needing to go to step four in what Jesus uh, taught in Matthew 18. And so again, in these situations, uh, and I'm speaking, it's happened far more times than this, but uh, two good friends uh, who used to hang out with, don't hang out with them anymore, don't associate with anymore. unless there would be a repentance. I'm not punishing them. It's part of the process, Jesus says, that we are to do for those who have walked away. So um, I don't know if that's practical uh, enough in regards to this question, but uh, I appreciate the question in the sense of that would have been great to include had I had unlimited minutes (laughs) in uh, the worship service. I didn't. Always understand this. The perception will be, I've said it multiple times, but hear me. The perception will be uh, you're trying to shame me. You're trying to gang up on me. Nobody understands my side of the story. Nobody's listening to me. And I have given every opportunity to listen to hear, to understand. So make sure you have given every opportunity to listen and to understand. Don't don't walk away too quickly from the Galatians 6 passage of gentleness and humility. Um, Gentleness, strength under control. And that's why I think, you know, we laughed a little bit about it, but I I think Nehemiah uh, had the strength part. He lost the control part when he started swinging fist and pulling out hair and making people uh, swear by God. Mm. So um, gentle and humility and do it. Whether you think it will work or not, that's not up for you to decide. You do it as unto the Lord, in other words, in obedience to Him, and you trust the results with Him. Hmm. It releases the weight of the responsibility. Sure. And um, puts that where it belongs on the Lord. Mm-hmm. Anything you would want to add to that? No, I don't, I don't think so. Because you... Um talked about early on kind of about the difference between those when people are walking down a sinful path that is against scripture versus those where we yeah. might have, they're not, um, what do you call them? More of the conscience. Yeah, there's matters of conscience. Matters of conscience mm-hmm. there. And I think that's a good differentiator because yes. um, it can be easy to harp on that yeah. when it's really a matter of conscience. Right. Yeah. Sometimes we're more zealous about our matters of conscience mm-hmm. than we are biblical commands. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, another question here about disobedience. Can our disobedience alter God's plan for our life? Uh, can our disobedience alter God's plans? Mm-hmm. Uh, not his... Okay, let me say this first. Some people are going to disagree with me on this. <laughs> Which is not novels. I'm sure plenty of people disagreed with what I said to the last question. So, But I want to acknowledge that not everybody will see uh, or understand the sovereignty of God in the same way that I'm going to describe this. The ultimate purposes and plans of God are undefeatable. 
So he will, the scripture says, fill the earth with his glory. He will do what he said he will do. He will make his name great. There will be from every tongue, tribe, people, and nation, those who worship him at the throne. That's what it says in Revelation. So can my disobedience alter God's plans? Does, is that where the period is? Uh, no, because it for says my alter life. God's plan for our life. For our life. Um Again, it, it all just depends how you define alter God's plan. Does he have foreknowledge in terms of knowing uh, that I will sin? Yes, he knows all things. Does he have an intended will for my life? Yes, he has an intended will for my life. And my disobedience, and see this, is, my disobedience keeps me from walking in that intended will for for my life. But don't think that my disobedience is sometime somehow going to thwart the plan of God. So could it alter how he works or what he chooses to do when he chooses to do it? I think that could happen. I see what he intends to do in disobedience uh, to the disobedient people of Israel and how Moses cries out to him. And God says, okay, I won't do what I said I was going to do. He altered his plan to the degree that he altered how he acted in that moment in time with that particular folks. But it did not change his overall plan and purpose for what he was going to do for Israel. The biggest point for you to understand is this. My disobedience will not derail the purposes of God. God has accomplished many of his purposes throughout history through disobedient people. Mm -hmm. So he can use my disobedience equally in the manner that he can use my obedience. So don't make your disobedience more powerful than it is, or even your obedience more powerful than it is. Like I can obey my way into getting God to do for me something that he was not going to do. So uh, you may think, oh, you've answered on both sides of that. Yeah, it all depends how you define alter the plan of God. No, you will never defeat his purposes. His purposes are always greater than your obedience and your disobedience. And I'm grateful that he has far greater power and understanding than I do. <laughs> yes. It's just another great example of his goodness that he can even use our disobedience for uh-huh. his glory. So well, we thank you for the questions this morning. Really do appreciate yep. those and hope you guys have a great day. Thanks for listening to this episode of the CFC Jacks podcast. Be sure to watch as we release new teachings weekly, along with additional content during the week. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us at www.cfcjacks.com. Thanks for listening.